You may have heard that most people who are black have O blood type. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help us save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. You know that I feel like it's important to express yourself. You got to put your true self out there. And those classic Crocs, clogs, and sandals let you do that. That's right. Between the rainbow of colors and the gibbets charms, you can create a unique look. And I mean, literally, no one else will have shoes exactly like yours. Hey, you know it doesn't get any more comfortable than the Croc clogs and sandals. They are just the perfect blend of comfort and creativity. Visit Crocs.com to explore the latest styles and gibbets charms. Hey, y'all, it's Kadeen. And DeVal. And guess what? We wrote a whole ass book. Listen, if there's one thing we're known for, it's sharing, <clears throat> maybe even oversharing, a lot <laughs> of our life with the entire world. That's right. From our social media to our podcast, we keep it real with y'all so that we can all learn from what we've been through. Because baby, maybe we can save you a headache or two or three or four as in four whole boys <laughs> after 20 years together 12 years marriage and four kids we've been through it all we've loved our way through a long distance relationship financial instability parenthood a near-death birthing experience and the list goes on child after much trial and error we have learned one essential truth if you're looking for a healthy relationship and a fulfilling life you have to choose service over selfishness so we decided to write a book about it. Our book, We Over Me, the counterintuitive approach to getting everything you want from your relationship, discusses family, parenting, DeVal's favorite topic, sex and intimacy, finances and commitment with the honesty and raw truth y'all have always gotten from us. Deadass. Yeah, deadass. I love sex and I love talking about it. But we might not have all the answers. But what we do know is that good love takes friendship, grace and service. And everybody deserves some good loving. Ain't that right, baby? You damn right, baby. We Over Me, the counterintuitive approach to getting everything you want from your relationship. Available now. After coaching kids for 12 plus years at Prototype, I realized coaching your own child is completely different. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. But listen, I know they say ball is life, but you're going to have a life outside of ball if I have something to say about it. That so. ass. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm Kadeen. And I'm DeVal. And we're the Ellises. You may know us from posting funny videos with our boys. And reading each other publicly as a form of therapy. Wait, I make you need therapy? Most days. Wow. <laughs> oh, and one more important thing to mention. We're married. Yes, sir, we mm-hmm. are. We created this podcast to open dialogue about some of life's most taboo topics. Things most folks don't want to talk about. Through the lens of a millennial married couple. Deadass is a term that we say every day. So when we say deadass, we're actually saying facts. 100. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. <laughs> we about to take Pillow Talk to a whole new level. Deadass starts right now. I'm going to take y'all back to... Yesterday? <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> so, every other day in this house? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's every every other day in this house. But mm-hmm. um, I'm going to go to a video that went viral mm-hmm. of me and Jackson. Mm-hmm. 
So just to give some people a little bit of context around the video. Mm-hmm. The night before the video, Jackson wanted to hang out with his friends. I said, hey, you can either work out now and not have anything to do tomorrow, or you can go hang out with your friends mm-hmm. and then come in the morning. We wake up first thing in the morning because I have things to do. He wanted to work out. Mm-hmm. So I said, you make a choice because I, I don't have time tomorrow. You're going to have to get up early before I get up and then we can get our workout. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, 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 Dad, I want to hang out with my friends. So I wake up early in the morning and I'll get you up and we work out. Cool. The next morning happens. He gets to do exactly what he wants to do the night before. Mm-hmm. The next morning comes. The next morning comes. I wake up early. I set my alarm clock. He doesn't set his alarm clock. Mm-hmm. Set my alarm clock. And I'm like, yo, Jax, you up. He's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm up. I'm up. He has an attitude. I already hear the attitude in his voice. It's giving me. Yes. Very, he's very, very much you. Very yeah. much you. Mm-hmm. And I say, well, before I get out of here, you owe me an hour of workout. So let's go. Let's, let's do this. You said you wanted to put some shots up. It's raining outside. So we're going to do ball handling drills and work on changing direction. He goes, fine. I can sense the attitude, but I go downstairs. I still have a good attitude. I'm like, listen, I'm not going to be on him. I'm going to uh, focus on keeping my emotions in check. When we get downstairs, He's huffing and puffing. We were supposed to start at 9 o'clock. He doesn't come downstairs till 9.20. If you don't know me, you know that I live by this motto. To be early is to be on time. To be on time is to be, wait, to be early is to be on time. To be on time is to be late. And to be late is to be forgotten. He was late. But still, I was like, we're going to get this workout in. Because I know it's advantageous for him to get his workout in. Ten minutes into the workout, I'm telling him to pound the ball. Right? Now, for people who are novices at basketball, there's a difference between pounding the ball and slamming the ball. Pounding the ball means you stay low, you keep the ball below your waist, your hips are down, and you pound the ball into the ground to make sure you have control over the basketball. The harder you pound the ball, the faster it comes back into your hand and you have more control over it. I say, yo, Jax, come on, I was was lazy, pound the ball. He then stands up straight and starts slamming the ball from his shoulder all the way down. And I say, yo, (laughs) yo, stop, stop. Do I deserve that? Like, like, why? What's with the attitude? He's like, no. Then he proceeds to tell me that, you know, he's tired. And, he's, and I'm like, hey, well, you are tired. I get that. But you chose to get up in the morning because last night you got to do what you wanted to do. I gave you a choice. You chose to do what you wanted to do. Now you have to put the work in that you don't want to do. He got an attitude. He finished the workout. He cried through the workout or whatever. And the whole time I remained calm. The reason why I'm telling you this story is because two years prior to that, DeVal wouldn't have remained calm. Mm -hmm. It would have been two options. Number one, I would have never set my alarm. Jax wouldn't have woke up. I went upstairs and started screaming, Mm -hmm. right? Or I would have woke him up, went downstairs. When the attitude started, I would have screamed and then left. And I decided to change my perspective because I started to realize that me... Controlling my emotions is a bigger teacher than any words I could ever tell Jackson. Mm -hmm. And it didn't matter how much I screamed in the years prior. He really stopped listening to everything I said when he watched my body language and heard the tone of my voice. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, that's the only way I knew how to respond or or teach or coach because that's what I did. And I got greatness out of the young men Mm -hmm. that I coached. And it wasn't until I seen the tears rolled down my son's face that I said, this is not going to work. I'm going to sing a song that me and Jackson listen to 
every time we get ready to go to practice or games because that gets him in the mood. It's the hype song, it's right? It's the hype song. Yeah. Because right? like, whenever I take him to, it's the same thing. I let, I pass the ox. I'm like, listen, it's all you. I'm in your world. Listen to what you want to listen to to get hype. Because I know how it is when I'm about to work out and I don't want to work out. <laughs> My ass needs to pull out all the stops. Right. right? So before y'all judge me, <laughs> I'm going to be honest. We do not listen to the clean version. Oh. All right. He's 11. He's about to turn 12. He's a preteen. Pretty mm-hmm. sure he's heard all these words before. Mm-hmm. And we be playing it on Max and we be bopping our head in the Porsche when we ride into the gym. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let me no see if Lord. you know it. You ready? I'm ready. My PTSD started kicking. So I gotta get high. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my PTSD started kicking, so I gotta, gotta get, get high. high. She shot that nigga out of my car, so now I gotta, gotta get, get low. low. Hey. I ain't no city boy, cause I love my bitch, but that don't mean that I don't love my hoes. <laughs> Shout out to Pop. He's always gonna be oh, man. a figure in this house. I, from the floor. I promise you, at least once a week, I'll be like, damn, Pop. I know. Like at a random time. It'll be something so completely random. We don't even have to be listening to his music, but I just like, damn, I can't believe Pop is gone. I know. 21 Shout out to Kanasi. Shout out to Kanasi, the floors. The floors. Uh-huh. We're raised uh-huh. this. All right, yo, let's uh, take a quick break, come back in, and we'll dive into that whole conversation. And then, of yes. course, mom's perspective inside of things. Ciao, baby. Oh, I, already know. I already know. Listen, it's going to be us times four up in this bitch. I'm like bracing myself for the roller coaster. And, and I'm that conflicted. Is. And everything I'm about to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm, I have conflicting thoughts, and we'll get into it when we get back. Sounds good. Hey, what's good, y'all? I think it's important for you to understand why black representation in media is important. It's important because the media represents how people view us. And it's important that they understand that black people are not a monolithic people. That is a fact. And the next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, y'all, losing two loved ones in a matter of six months, it can be a lot. And a lot of times when you're dealing with grief, you have a lot to get off your chest with your family. That's absolutely right. You know, people carry around all different types of stresses, big and small. When you keep them bottled up, it can start to affect you negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to kind of figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash deadass today to get 10% off your first visit. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash deadass. During the break, let's quickly talk about a couple things that are important to most people I know. Comfort and style. Crocs, classic clogs, and sandals have both covered. When I'm talking about style, I mean personal style. 
There are just so many colors and so many gibbet charms that you can add to the Crocs to make them unique. You can dress up your Crocs to match your mood, to match your personality, to fit the occasion, and you can change them up day to day. I mean, ultimately, you can stand out from the crowd in a way that only you can because it's your personal style. And now, let's talk about comfort. You know, it doesn't get better than Crocs, clogs, and sandals when it comes to being comfortable. Style and comfort are usually a trade-off, but here... They're a package deal. It's like you have cushions on your feet. Soft, stylish, personalized, colorful cushion. That's right. So why wait? Head over to Crocs.com today and experience the comfort and style of Crocs classic clogs and sandals for yourself. Your feet will thank you. You may be aware that most people who are black have O blood type. O is commonly needed for emergencies and life-saving measures. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? You, along with the American Red Cross, regardless of your blood type, can help by donating blood. Every day, our blood saves lives and eases the pain for those living with sickle cell. When you donate blood, there is a direct positive impact within our community. Right now, there is great need for blood donations in the African-American community. Every donation counts and makes a difference in someone's life. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. All right, we back. We're back. So story time, baby. It's funny, in the story time, you said that the reason why you took this approach with Jackson was because this was something that you did with other young men who you weren't particularly your sons, but you got great results from them. So you felt like this was the only way. But might I add that that was what was done to you. Yes. So we think about the 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 uh, aura around coaching and what yes. it's looked like for prior years and what it looks like now mm. with just sensitivity around the way in which coaches are allowed to even yes. speak to children yes. and what that looks like for you wanting to be coach dad or not wanting to be coach dad and the con- uh. the conflict that I see within your eyes every day <laughs> every day in this house is because. We know that you have played an elite level of sport. Mm-hmm. Um, I was MVP on every team I ever played on from college to high school. Football, basketball, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. So mm-hmm. you kind of feeling like you know the way. Yes. It's like, why would I not equip my son yes. with everything that I know? Yes. Things that I didn't know that I had to figure out on my own. And this is just not even sports, but just yes. in general. But we're talking sports today. Yes. So um, go back to story time and tell us about why you're so conflicted. So the reason why I'm conflicted is because, no, number one, let me be clear. I know my son is not growing up the way I grew up. Mm-hmm. Right? We grew, grew up completely different. And we both firstborn mm-hmm. children. We both have little brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up having a little sister nine years later. But I was responsible for my little brother. Mm-hmm. He was only two and a half years younger than me. And from the time I was nine and we moved to Canarsie from Flatbush, it was my responsibility to get up in the morning, help Mm -hmm. my six-year-old brother Mm -hmm. make his uh, lunch for school, Mm -hmm. help him get his breakfast together. We walked to school together. Mm -hmm. When school was over, I had to get him from class, walk home, prepare his after-school lunch, help him with his homework if he needed it, and be, be there and be responsible when my parents didn't get home until 6, 6.30. So that was my responsibility. Jackson doesn't have that responsibility. Mm -hmm. So for me, I feel like the level of accountability and the level of responsibility is not there because there's no sense of urgency. Mm -hmm. So I try to manufacture that sense of urgency Mm -hmm. by holding him to a schedule 
the similar schedule that I had to hold when I was his age. Like things had to get done. It was very rigid. Right. Things had to get done because my parents needed me to be there in their absence. Mm-hmm. That created a sense of urgency for me in my whole life. Mm-hmm. That I've always been big on on time. Always mm-hmm. been big on being on time and early. Mm-hmm. On top of that, I couldn't fail. Right. If I messed up in school. It was it was it wasn't just a wag of the finger in the face or you're such a disappointment. It was just like you don't do anything right. Like so many times I felt like in my life, I never did things good enough for my parents. That it built a chip on my shoulder that make me that made me an overachiever mm-hmm. and a workaholic. Mm-hmm. Being an overachiever and a workaholic and being big on the details, being disciplined is what made me uh all city football player, uh division one football player, uh NFL athlete and now a paid actor. I feel like it was those things that those core values that have driven me to be great in those things. Was that nature versus nurture? Like, was it you think it's always been in you or you think it was more learned? Because what my conflict um, arises when I even look at myself. Right. Um, I'm like, damn, my parents worked so hard to afford me all of the opportunities they didn't have and then some. Mm. And so much is that my mom would sometimes, I think, maybe overhelp me in situations and not from a place of mm. detriment, but she probably thought, like, I'm doing my daughter a, a, um, a service right? if I'm doing all of this extra stuff to right. assist her. Where then when time came for me to do it on my own, it was just like, eh, I don't really have to do it right now or uh, my mom yes. will help me do it then. So I wonder if I didn't have that um, and I had to kind of fend for myself a little bit more, if it would have made me a more driven person or made me have the work ethic that I sometimes feel like I need, but just can't find within. I think it would have, because when I look at my brother and I look at my sister, they're not driven like I am Mm -mm. because they had me. Right. You know, me being the oldest, it was, yeah. you know, help your brother do so-and-so. Well, your mm-hmm. sister got this, help your sister. Right. So I always had this sense of urgency to to help my siblings. On top of that, I always had to prove my parents wrong. Mm. Because in my eyes growing up, my parents very rarely praised me. Mm-hmm. Right? My, my parents weren't the type of parents that praise you for getting good grades. You are supposed to. Right. Oh, so yeah, you, you got a 90. Same. Okay. Right. Where's You're the, supposed where's to the get 10 points? So, so you know my parents. <laughs> yeah. They Especially <laughs> when my siblings, for example, my brother, my brother wasn't an academic person. My brother passed a class, my parents praised. Oh my mm. gosh, he, he's passed, he passed. I'll, I'll never forget. My brother passed his regent with a 65. And my, my mom grabbed him and they hugged and stuff like that. I got an 85 in a class and my mother was just like, you got poor and missing homework. And she was just on me. Mm-hmm. So that de- what developed in me was this chip. Like I was always the underdog. Mm-hmm. I was never accepted. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I used that to approach every situation as I have to be 10 times better than everyone else or I won't be accepted. Mm-hmm. So what I'm trying to do is try to build that level of intensity in my kids with, without, like you said, providing them with that, that enabled... Easy mentality, route. easy yeah. route. But we live differently. Like both my parents had to work in order mm-hmm. for us to make money. So I had to be home, right? It's not the same here. Mm-hmm. Mimi and Papa are here. Mm-hmm. You're here. You know, dad comes in and out, but I'm working, but they don't ever have to worry. They don't ever got to get on a city bus mm-hmm. and have to be adults at eight and nine years old. Right. You know what I'm saying? These are things that I had to do. And I appreciate my parents because it created a beast in me that's allowing me to be the person I am today. Right. You know, I'm not like other millennials who blame my parents for everything and be like, my parents fucked me up with all this generational trauma. No. Right. 
my parents created an absolute beast. Mm -hmm. I, I am unyielding with my work ethic and my belief in myself because my parents stepped back and said, you got to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Like, we got to go to work, bro. Mm -hmm. Figure it out. And them allowing me to figure it out created someone who had a lot of self-confidence. Right. So in me trying to step back, right, I, I learned over these last couple of years that because I'm used to controlling everything, because since I was a kid, I controlled everything, mm -hmm. I was trying to control my son, right? And in me trying to build a sense of urgency and a chip on his shoulder, I wasn't stepping back at all. Mm -hmm. I was always there. So then he became used to me being there. And then he would be playing in games or something and he would be looking at who? Me. <laughs> and I'd be like, focus on the game. Like, right. why are you looking at me? At the same time, I'm screaming. So I'm like, why are you looking at me while I'm screaming? And it's saying, do you hear what I'm saying? Look at me when I'm talking to you. Like the most confusing shit ever. You know Facts. what I'm saying? And it's like, look at your coach. And it's just like, he looks at the coach, looks at you. Then he's just like, what? Who do I look at? Right. I've literally right. seen the whole thing play out. I've so, literally seen it all play out. This is where the conflict comes in. I watched an interview with Jason Tatum. Mm -hmm. And he talked about how his father was never really a dad to him. His father was always a coach. And his father used to like hem him up and, and call him outside of his name and, and tell him he wasn't good enough and tell him he wasn't good at all. And he was just like, he feels like he missed out on having a relationship with his father because his father was always a coach and never a dad, mode, right? Yeah. And my thing is, it sounds like you're complaining, mm -hmm. but you're now one of the top three players yeah. in the NBA and you played in the NBA finals last year and you're uh -huh. worth a hundred million dollars. Uh -huh. So do you think your dad cares if you <laughs> right. weren't friends as father and son, right. he created a man that is is living in his purpose and his legacy. Mm -hmm. That's my conflict. Yeah. It's like, do I want to be my son's friend? I don't. Mm -hmm. I want to see my son be successful, but I don't want to ever look back on my life and be like, damn, me and my son don't have a relationship. Right. I think most successful people in so many different genres, but it's not just sports, but even entertainment, like when they tell their story, they usually tell the story about, if not both, one parent who was just always in their ass about yes. something. Yes. One thing Pause. that I fear. <laughs> One thing that Grow I up, fear with my boys, um, to your to your point, is them being too coddled, right? right. And then in them being coddled, producing for young men who end up being coddled grown men. And that's what that's going to look like. And I say that because mm -hmm. they're in a unique situation, unlike you or I had. Well, kind of me, because growing up, my parents worked. My mom pr pretty much had a flexible schedule, but she worked during the day and my father worked at night. So I had one or the other parent typically home. Mm -hmm. And if I didn't, there were grandparents to step in. But even something as simple as when my kids, our kids come home from school and it's like, mom, I want a bagel. Mom, I want yeah. a cup of juice. It's like, go get it. Go and get it because they're so accustomed to their grandparents stepping in, which they should be because you want our kids. We want our kids to have a great relationship with their grandparents where they feel like, wow, Mimi and Papa, Nana and Papa Scoop were here for us and they did all these different things. But it's unique when they live with them and it's a constant asking of someone to do something for you. So, so many times the Val and I have to intervene and it's just like, no. Let them do yeah. this on their own yeah. because they're fully capable of it. And if they're not capable of it, they're going to have to learn. And it's just like building little moments of, I can't even call it adversity, but it's just doing for themselves, which I think will spill over into sports. Sports, absolutely. And it'll spill into their schoolwork and how they tend to um, navigate life. Well, there's a saying that says, tough times create strong men. Mm -hmm. Strong men 
create easy times. Easy times create weak men. Weak men create tough times. Mm. There's also another saying that says, vicious cycle. it's hard to find a great man that's the son of a great man. Mm. And if you think about the parable I just said, that's mm-hmm. the reason why. That's the why. reason why. And I look at the way my life is, right? And my father has been talking to us about ascension since we were young. Mm-hmm. My grandfather uh, created my father. But there was a ton of adversity during the time when they were growing up, civil rights movement. There were a lot of things going on. Mm-hmm. Um, they, my, well, my, first, my, great, my grandfather grew up during the Depression. So he had to learn two things and had to learn how to be a factory worker. And then my parents grew up during the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. And my parents had us. We grew up through the 80s and 90s, the crack epidemic. Mm-hmm. right? But now we have the pandemic. But when I look at my family life, We've ascended every generation to the point now where there's no hardship for these kids, mm-hmm. right? I ask my son, which car you want to take to go to practice? Cairo goes with the Porsche. <laughs> I never had that option in my life. <laughs> you know, right? Like, first of all, none of, neither one of my parents have ever been to a practice of mine. From the time I was a child up until an adult, my parents didn't have time to go to practice. Mm-hmm. My parents were both working. And then during the weekend, my parents were not running us to practices. Go to practice. Right. Get on the bus. And figure it out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or <laughs> they would drop us to practice mm-hmm. and go do what they had to do. My, right. Both my parents were big in the church. But our children, I don't only just drop them to practice. I stay and watch. And I end up coaching because a lot of the parents find out, oh, he was a professional athlete. He can help in some way, shape, or form. And when it was football, it was football. And now it's basketball. They asked me to help. I just... Don't want my sons, like you said, to grow up to be coddled, entitled, little humans <laughs> that don't understand what adversity is and not reach their potential because they've never had to face adversity throughout their life. So then I'm like, maybe I should be the adversity, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want, I don't care if my sons like me. It's going to sound crazy, right? I want my sons to respect me. Mm-hmm. I want them to love me. They don't have to like me because I'm not trying to be their friend. I have friends. You're my friend. You're my best friend. I have you, right? I have the whole podcast crew (laughs) to be friends. You know what I'm saying? Right. I don't need a little adolescent, pre-adolescent person Mm -hmm. to be my friend. I need you to be great in whatever it is. And that's where the conflict comes. Right. If I create the adversity for them, Mm -hmm. then I become the bad guy. And then they won't understand it until later on in life. So a lot of times with me, from my perspective, looking at you and Jackson's relationship or just even at looking at him as a person and even our other boys, um, you can tell there's something innate in each child, right? Mm -hmm. So Jackson, and and it's funny how kids tend to um, take some of the best and worst qualities of both individuals and then you see and it's just like, damn, there's so much like, and you've said to me in many instances like, I can I can deal with Jackson because Jackson's so much like you, and I've been dealing with you for twenty years. So it's yes. almost like dealing with a little version of you. Yes. And I'm not necessarily going to say that I'm proud of some of the <laughs> habits that he has are ones that I to this day continue to struggle with as an adult. But what I can do as a mom, because we're also very purposeful about being the united front that we should be for the children. So it's not going to be a, a, a me versus Mm -hmm. you, at least in front of them, Mm -hmm. um, I try to make sure that I do support whatever it is that you are doing or whatever you're trying to implement that moment or whatever the lesson may be. I try to make sure that I back you on that. But I also like to also be mom in that I can be that comfort and that support system where I can follow up with him and just say, hey, 
you know what daddy meant by X, Y, Z. Right. You know, and sometimes as a child, you don't want to hear, you know, daddy just wants the best for you. And, you know, that's why daddy's doing this. He doesn't want to hear that. So the approach that I take, um, maybe unbeknownst to you, because I don't always tell you about every conversation Jackson and I have, but what I try to do is bring it back to me and say, Jackson, listen, a lot of the qualities that daddy is referring to, mommy deals with them too. And I'm trying to overcome that. And here's how I'm trying to do it. So I want you to help hold me accountable by if I say, yo, I'm going to be in the gym in 2023 right. and I'm going to keep myself accountable and do everything I'm saying I'm going to do. You have to call me out when I'm not doing that. So I said, can we make a deal that we'll hold each other accountable? So it's, it's a it's a style stepping that we take as parents that I think is necessary because some parents feel like they don't want to style step with their children. What I say goes and that's it. Right. But we take the approach where we feel like our children require and they deserve to have different approaches taken if some approach is not working. I agree. So I like that we are able to do that and kind yes. of tag team as parents. I agree. Um, I do get concerned sometimes like, you know, he has this practice, that practice, that practice. He has also, he has coding. He has debate team. He Absolutely. has so many different things because we want to make sure he's well-rounded. So yeah. I just never want there to be a burnout or I never want there to be a right. resentment where he feels like, damn, the only way I can relate to dad is in this sports environment because that's really what he wants me to do. Um, so it's always a constant touch base that we take well, with him to make sure that this is genuinely what he, he wants to do right. and he's having fun. Right. Well, I mean, the biggest thing is he doesn't play any sports that he doesn't want to play. Mm-hmm. I never give him a ball and say, you're going to play this. Right. He comes to me and say, hey, dad, like this year, mm-hmm. I want to play football. That was okay. a shocker. It was a shocker for both <laughs> we of like, us. What? I had never talked to him about playing football after the Renegades in Brooklyn. And he said he didn't want to play football anymore. I said, fine, because I stopped playing football at eight when I didn't want to play anymore. Mm-hmm. And I ended up playing in the NFL, which to me was proof enough that you don't have to play football your whole life in order mm-hmm. to make it to the highest level. Mm-hmm. But I will say this, right? And this is... um the difference between you and Jackson even having the same personality. Mm-hmm. You guys do have the same personality. And what will save you and help you with your personality or your personality trait that you have to be pushed mm-hmm. is that you married someone mm-hmm. who doesn't mind pushing you yes. and we work together. Yes. When you don't feel like getting up, I'm like, yo, get up, let's get go. Up. Yeah. Jackson is going to be a man. To that. Right. He's going to be a young man. There's no room for that and shit. And he, he can't yep. rely on a woman mm-hmm. to be like, hey, you need to get up and go be a man. Mm-hmm. He has to stand up and be a man on his own so he could be there for his family. Absolutely. In the case that his family can't, you know, can't do the things that they need to do. For example, say he has a wife who, who can't go back to work. Mm-hmm. He can't just sit back and be like, well, I'm going to go to work when I want to. Mm-hmm. That's not, he can't do that. Mm-hmm. Your wife is having children. Yeah. Like somebody has to work while your wife is bearing children and carrying children. And yeah. I feel like for young boys, especially, mm-hmm. we have to learn the balance. Right. And this is something I learned. And this is going to be key that I, I, I this is going to be a key that I give to a lot of young men. Right. Like I said, I mentored and I coached for 12 years. Mm-hmm. I screamed, I cursed, I hollered. Um, Sometimes we got physical, pushed them, like physically pushed them. Like, let's go. Like, you know the rah-rah, like, let's go. You push them, they yeah. get hyped. Like, yeah. we've, we've been there with the kids. You know, make mm-hmm. them do push-ups, make them run, make them do sprints. And mm-hmm. all of our kids left prototype feeling inspired or feeling empowered, but feeling challenged. Mm-hmm. I do realize now, though, that I could be that person to those I was people gonna say that's, because yep. they could leave the gym yes. and go sit in the car with their father. Right. And then vent to their father how much they didn't like Coach DeVal. Or they didn't have a dad in their right. life because majority of the kids that you mentor 75% yeah that were single mom households yeah. so they 
probably craved having that. It yeah. might have been a love-hate relationship, but at least oh, they felt like... it was definitely love-hate. They hated Coach Devon. <laughs> like, they felt like, all right, this guy, I love him, but I hate him at the same time. TJ's a prime example. Yeah. We were just talking to TJ, and TJ literally is like our son. Like our son, yeah. And he knows that he, like, has grown to love you so much right. over the years because he's like, man, somebody was actually really invested in me. But but that's also the dynamic. When I looked at, when I, th when I think back at those times, I honestly didn't care what those young men and young women thought of me. Mm -hmm. They weren't my clients. Mm. Their parents were my clients. Their parents are the one who paid for the service. Mm -hmm. When I spoke to these young people, I always spoke to them and their parent, asked the young people to leave. And I spoke to the parent about what I required as a coach from them for us as a team to get their child to the highest level. And some people didn't take to it. Some no, people some, were and like, some people chose to leave. Some people yeah. were like, this is too intense. Right. What I'm realizing now is that the fact that I could di I could like disconnect from that, I don't care if these children like me because they're not even my client, the parents right. are, you can't, it's not the same disconnect. Mm -mm. I can say as much as I want, I don't care how much my sons like me, mm -hmm. but when I come in the house and I don't get love from my sons, if they don't hug me and stuff, I'm like, yo, yo, what's, what's up? Right. Like it hurts. Yeah. It hurts. And the conflict comes is like, do I want to deal with this pain now so that I can raise great children? Like, as much as people want to complain about LeVar Ball, mm -hmm. they complain about Michael uh, Joe Jackson, they mm -hmm. complain about uh, uh, what's Richard Venus Williams. Williams. Yep. Those men created great human beings. Mm -hmm. Not just young men. They created young men and young women, women yep. through adversity, through trials. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Through a lot of constant pressure because the pressures at home... Mm -hmm created greatness on the outside world. But there's one thing I learned from watching the uh, King Richard story. Mm -hmm. Richard was not going to let anyone else pressure his daughters. Mm. He did everything on his own terms. And he always said to them, the minute you're not having fun, you're not playing anymore. I if you that. notice, I do that with Jackson. All the time. Did you have fun? Did though? you have fun today? Did you have fun? We could because be screaming I, the hell. I'm like, yep. did you have fun? Because I will see Jackson will get out of practice and his instant instinct is to come to you and tell him all the things that he did well. He'll even say, if mm -hmm. I didn't have a good practice, but it's almost like he feels like he needs to touch base with you to yes. let you know how things transpired during practice to kind of get your approval, yes. right? Um, but you know how I'll tell you, I realize you're doing a good job at balancing as much as you're... You're very hard on yourself. Absolutely. Because I feel like I've been failing like a lot. And, more and, and, more and, often yeah. than not, I feel like I failed. And I know we constantly have touch bases about that. And you'll say, do you think I did too much? Or was I yelling too much at the game? Or So we do have constant touch bases about that. But what I can observe, um, and this just happened recently to let you know that you are doing the right thing, at least I think, hmm. is when Jackson, for example, you were hollering and screaming about something after a practice you said in the mm -hmm. car with him. And Jackson, of course, you know, was feeling kind of probably beat down in that mm -hmm. moment. And he came inside the house. You came inside the house. You went down to work out in the gym. He was upstairs having dinner or whatever. And then he came downstairs to check on you. Yeah. And most kids. Oh, man, that conversation. Oh, at, my God. Most gosh. kids after being, you know, either scolded or reprimanded or just, you know, a parent getting in their ass, they might just want to stay away from them. Like, yo, I'm just going to have my dinner, take my shower and go to bed. I may or may not say goodnight. Like, that's just it. But Jackson came downstairs to check on you and then said to you, well, I won't tell the story, but you can tell it oh, now. But that's what made me cry thinking about it, man. Cause yeah. I did cry in that moment. You did. Because I was on the treadmill. He came downstairs and he was just like, yo, you good, bro? <laughs> Which is hilarious. My 11-year-old said, yo, you good, bro? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Why? And he was just like, no, you seen, he goes, you just seemed upset in the car. And I said, I was a little upset. And he was like, well, I thought I had a good practice. I said, you did have a good practice. 
I said, some of the things that I have issues with you have nothing to do with basketball. You know, some of it is just communication. You mm -hmm. know, some of it life is, is yeah. life stuff. You know, how, mm -hmm. how are you going to communicate as, as a man? Mm -hmm. You know, um, and he said to me, I said, why, you know, what, how did you know I was upset in the car? And he was like, well, I could tell you was upset because, you know, you started screaming and I hate when you start cursing. Right. And I said, well, I didn't curse at you. And he said, no, you didn't curse at me, but I can tell when you start cursing that you're upset. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, I think you can control your emotions better in that situation. Mm. And here's the thing, though. I didn't get upset. Mm -hmm. My ego wasn't bruised. I. I broke down and started crying because my son is exercising emotional intelligence yeah. and he felt empowered enough to tell me mm -hmm. what he felt and what I could do better. That made me so touched because I'm like, no one's ever going to be able to take advantage of my son. Mm -hmm. oh. <laughs> mm -hmm. You have no idea what it's like to, to send your son out to be coached or trained or taught by other people. And you just don't want anybody mm -hmm. else to be, mm -hmm. to take advantage of your son. No, of you course. know, and Jackson is an empath. So he cares a lot about other people and he always wants other people to be okay. Mm -hmm. And I never want people to take advantage of any of my kids. So mm -hmm. the fact that he felt empowered to say to his father, like, I think you could have controlled yourself better in that situation was just like, yes. But you know how many parents would have taken that as like disrespect? Like, how and dare know, you say that to me? I know what you mean, me? yeah. I know what you mean. And... It just is a testimony to what you're doing as a father, I'm doing as a mother, as a parent. Like, that's like a, for me at least, and people may yeah. not agree with that, but for me, that was like a pat yourself on the back kind of moment because A, he felt safe enough and he felt yeah. confident enough to come yeah. to you and say, hey, dad, yeah. let's touch base after we had a disagreement. You know how many adults can't even do that shit? I know, I know. You know how many adults have disagreements and can't even muster up the, the the gall to say, you know what, I'm going to confront this person and say, let me touch base with them and see if yeah. they're okay. Especially when you were the one that was, yeah. you know, getting on him. Getting on him, yeah. But that just goes to show how much of an empathy is that he wants to make sure that you were okay because he's like, man, dad, you kind of lost it in that moment. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure that you were okay because you know what, it's no hard feelings. Yeah. And he literally follows you around the rest of the night like your shadow. He did. He followed me around <laughs> the rest of the night. He wanted to make sure I was okay. Yeah. But then he also... um he always does this because I did this before. We had this conversation before and he was just like, it's okay. Like, he was like, it's okay. Like, yeah. Like, reminding me like that you don't have to be perfect. Yeah. But what that also means to me is like, because I, I said to him, I said, yo, bro, I've never been a father before. You're the first son. I'm going to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Please give me grace yeah. during this coaching process because I'm going to make mistakes and I need you to hold me accountable and be like, yo, dad, like you could have definitely handled that better. Yeah. But but like you said, it feels safe saying it. Mm -hmm. And um, and what has every coach that Jackson's had so far, even other teammates, parents, yeah. teachers always come to us and say, man, he is just a good kid. Good kid. He's respectful. Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. Yes. Um. You know, will will take direction well. Yes. He adjusts. He checks out for his teammates. Yeah. Um. Just the other day, my mom said that um. There's these like energy, like these sports yeah. hydration drinks that he likes now. So I bought a case of it, but they were hard to find because it seems like a lot of people are liking this particular drink now. And I couldn't find the case, and I found one case on Amazon. It was a little pricey, but I was like, all right, if he really loves it, I want to get it because it must be something about this drink. Mm. So I got a case of it put some in the fridge for him. I said, yo, when you go to practice, whatever, take one and go. So him, Cairo kind of started to drink a couple of yeah. them too. 
So my mom says she packs his lunch for school and she's like, I'm not snitching. Cause you know, Mimi know about snitching. She yeah, knows she we not, don't do that here, right? Yeah. So Mimi said, well, I'm not snitching, but I just, you know, wanted to tell you a little something about what Jackson did for two mornings in a row. So I said, what was it? She said his, his lunchbox is packed, his backpack and everything. And then she sees right before he's rushing out the door to school that he runs into to the garage mm-hmm. and he has something in his hoodie. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, well, first of all, we don't do sneaky. So if you're sneaking something, right, why happening? are you sneaking? So just be honest about what it is. So the first day he said, oh, no, I just got a little drink my friend wanted to try. Mm-hmm. So my mom was like, okay, that's fine. You know, you take a drink for your friend. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Just make sure that, you know, they're not yeah. allergic or anything. But just, you know, take yeah. it. That's okay. And then the next day, he's taking another drink for another friend. So I'm like, Jackson would totally be the kid where if somebody like was at school and didn't have yeah. lunch or didn't he'd like their taking, lunch, yeah. he'd be like sharing lunch with them, right? Yeah. So the next day, he's giving away another drink. So she said, you know, Jackson, if you keep giving away your drinks, you're not going to have any more, you know? And, and mom said they were hard to find and they were yeah. a little expensive and stuff. And he was just like, it's all right. I'll go without if they can try it. And I'm no. just like, he, you know, in those moments. So you and I, um, well, you were away um, to do the Sherry Shepherd show. And he and I had a lot of time to bond. So where you used to be, you know, Uber dad trucking him from yeah. practice to practice yeah. and everything. I took him to get his hair braided, took him and everything. So very similarly to what you did, I used those moments in the car just to talk to him too. So we were talking about, you know, ball and everything. We were talking about all his activities that he's juggling. And I said right. to him, I'm like, yo, I said, you're doing a really great job balancing all of this. His report card just came home. Stellar grades. His overall average is like a 95, 95. <laughs> you know, just doing so well. So I wanted to reiterate how proud I was of him and just to let him know, like, listen, you deserve to, if you ever have, you know, a moment where you need mm-hmm. a mental health day and you're like, yo, mom, I just, it's just been a lot because he's juggling so many things. You have to let me know. Yeah. And I said, concurrently with that, I need you to let me know if there's something I can do more or less of as a mom. And I said, you know, this is my first time. You're our first son. So yeah. much like daddy has told you, you yeah. know, we don't have all the answers. We're trying to figure things out. But we want you to always feel comfortable, whether it's me or dad or both of us. So you can just say, hey, mom, like, you know, you didn't do this. Or and that's when we talked about accountability yeah. and all that. So I just love that I can have these conversations with my 11-year-old who has the spirit of an old soul, you know, yeah, see, he's a very smart um, but just kid. conducts himself so much better than even some adults that I, that I know, but, you know, and I think a lot of that is just innate in him. I mean, I don't think it's innate. I think he has to be taught that. I think it's a lot of conversations we have, but I also think it's the accountability of the parents. Like mm-hmm. even, even being a coach slash dad, I, I get upset when coaches try to Sometimes tell a dad, like, dad, you need to back up. Yeah, I know I need to back up. But Mm -hmm. this is more than basketball for me. Mm -hmm. Like, this is my son. Mm -hmm. And when I'm teaching my son, I'm teaching my son life skills at all time. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to win a game. I get that. I get you're trying to win a game. Mm -hmm. But in this moment, I don't give a shit about your game or your team. My son has to leave from here and still exist as a person in society. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times when you see fathers or even moms who have to play the role of, of coach as well, they're not just coaching their child to be the best player on that team in that moment for that game. Mm-hmm. They're coaching their child for life. Yeah. So a lot of times, and, and this is where I think a lot more of the outside world doesn't understand where the parent is coming from. Mm-hmm. I could give a shit if Jackson plays in the NBA or the NFL. I want to create a super productive human that will be successful in any facet of life of what he chooses to do. Sports is just a vehicle to teach those lessons. Mm -hmm. So sometimes when people think parents are being overbearing because the parent wants them to play in the NBA, I don't Mm -hmm. care. Mm -hmm. Like, I I don't. I I also speak to other parents who are doing well, Mm -hmm. who are just like, I don't care if my son goes and plays college. Like, 
We have a fund where the college is going to be paid for. Mm -hmm. But I want my son to be detail-oriented. I want my daughter to have a sense of urgency. I want my child to, to learn to compete mm -hmm. and have great sportsmanship. And you learn that through sports. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, parents say trust the coach and say I'm going to trust the coach and just, especially if they are athletes. Right. I'm going to trust the coach and, and trust that the coach is going to do the right thing. Yeah. But as a as a parent who's played sports at the highest level, it's hardest for us to watch you be a detriment and not a benefit <laughs> to our child, right? When you look at some of these things here, right? facts and stats, according mm -hmm. to a 2015 coach-up survey, 95% of coaches said they've seen parents yell at their kids' referees during games, setting an example of poor sportsmanship for their young athletes that will still that will stay with them long after the game ends. Man, listen, now, I'm part of that 95 percent because know. what I will do is call out a ref. Like the last game he played, that other team was traveling so much, I thought they was about to catch a flight. So I said, <laughs> "Why are you not making yes. the calls?" You know, and and and, and you know what, what I the think? ref said. No, you got you got to say what the ref said so so people can understand mm -hmm. why the parents get upset. The ref said to us, and we weren't screaming. The ref was, you saw the ref was kicking it with uh, us. Yeah, it was yeah, us yeah. and three other dads sitting there. So we were yeah. joking around, just like, ref, man, you're not going to call that? And he's like, look, we got an hour for this game. If we call every call, it's going to be, we're going to be here longer. And we have things we want to do. The playoff game is later. And my thing is like, listen, I understand what you're saying. Mm -hmm. But now you're making your personal life more important than this game. Right. You're teaching the other team right. that they can get away with stuff. Plus, our right. kids are starting to feel like... Right. They're being treated unfairly. Like, how are you picking and choosing when you want to make the call against which team, bruh? Right. You know, I'll be ready to fight. Listen, okay, I'll be the wrong one <laughs> to be at these games sometimes, y'all, because Facts. whether it's football, now I'm starting to learn more about basketball and everything. I am, it's just, Facts. it's tough to watch sometimes. Because for, for the ref in that moment who just thinks it's just, oh, a little 11, 11-year-old 11 game, yeah. for these kids, they they that sits with them. Jackson will lose a game and then come home and be like, oh my God, what did I do wrong? What did right. I do differently? Right. Like they, they dissect and he wants to see film and he wants he to see wants, what he yep. did better. And, yep. Which is cool because you want him to be able to learn from whatever mistake that he made not to say that he's you know the star player all the time but at the same time too it's like how do you continue to build sportsmanship yes but also too we know as adults how shit is just not always fair well this is what I've learned in those times this is what I told for like the last game right mm -hmm. he got fouled at least four times on shots it was very clear that well this is sixth grade basketball mm -hmm. some people have different standards of excellence for sixth grade basketball mm -hmm. right some people be like, hey, it's just fun. It's rec ball. Let the kids learn, right? Mm -hmm. Jackson plays a high level of sixth grade basketball. He plays AAU. Mm -hmm. So he's extremely skilled. I've watched other uh, referees say, well, that kid is skilled. So if the kid he's playing isn't as skilled to even the playing field, I'm not going to call as many calls on the other kids. So then Jackson's looking at me like, dad, that's not a foul. That's How do you not, call right. foul on me? Right. I've taught him to say, listen, bro, you can only control what's in your power. Mm-hmm. Control what you can control. Yeah, Make fact. the shots you take. You know what I'm saying? Try not to touch them at all on defense. Right. If you lose a game, mm -hmm. remember this. It's sixth grade basketball. That's a fact. There's so much more going on <laughs> in the world. When you get to high school, if you lose a game, it's high, high school, school basketball. basketball. When you get to college, mm -hmm. it's co when you play in the NBA, it's just basketball. You're not curing cancer. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You're mm -hmm. not solving any long-term illness, you know, disease or anything. You're playing basketball. If you keep it into perspective that it's just basketball and always have fun regardless of whether you win or lose and always trying to win, sometimes you're just not going to win. I'm a Warriors fan. Okay? I'm a Warriors fan. I love the Warriors. In 2015, LeBron James was the best basketball player 
on the court during the finals. I think he averaged 35 in a triple-double. He led in every statistical category, and his team lost. That doesn't take away the fact that he was great and mm-hmm. is still the greatest basketball player, mm-hmm. but his team lost. I mm-hmm. said, Jax, sometimes you're going to play phenomenal, lights out, mm-hmm. and you're going to lose. That's a fact. You're going to have to learn how to deal with those losses, yep. period. So sometimes you sometimes you like, I remember when Jackson started getting better at basketball, team started to win a little bit. He was feeling himself. And I remember saying to myself, damn, I hope he loses soon. Because <laughs> if he keeps winning, yeah. most children, mm-hmm. most people, mm-hmm. once they start to reach a certain level of success and they feel like I've arrived, you know oh, what yeah. stops? The, the work. work. <laughs> the work, for sure. So, so for me, it was like, I need him to take a couple right. losses here. Because in a moment where it counts, That's... you may not be at your best. And then what? Mm-hmm. Then what? Mm-hmm. Back to facts and stats, 75% of youth sports coaches say most parents place too much emphasis on their child winning games. I can see that. And, I think and, the, co- the coaches be wanting them to win too, though. But winning does matter because when children lose over and over again, they start to feel like, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm fun. tired of losing. Yeah. Who wants to lose all the time? No one. Nope. No one wants to lose all the time. Nope. And and winning promotes a higher level of work ethic. Mm-hmm. That's what people don't understand. Right. When you're working towards a goal and you can see the benefits of the work, you're more entitled to work. That's why I can't subscribe to the whole, like, everybody gets a trophy, everybody gets a participation no, I award, either. nobody really wins, we're just playing for fun. There are moments when, yes, you could be playing for fun, but there's times when, no, we're yes. playing to win. Absolutely. Like, let's just be real about Absolutely. it. Absolutely, because life be is, is a game. That's you can't fact. just you can't live life and be like, hey man, I'll just hey, listen, I know my mortgage is due, but I'm out here playing. I'm just for gonna fun. float. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm just gonna float. I'm through. out here living for fun. So I'm gonna get you the money when I get no, that's not how the, the right. world works. No, and people be living like that, yeah. but listen, that's a lot of stress. Yeah. 80% of coaches say that the best way for a parent to help their child play better is to not give instructions during the game. Deval fails <laughs> at this every single game. Remember there was one game where they, I think Jackson had a bet like $20 like daddy if I give you $20 if you don't say nothing the whole so game. So to my <laughs> to in my defense I'm quiet mm-hmm. when the coach has showed me that I can trust their instruction. Right. If I notice mm-hmm. that you're not helping mm-hmm. and my son looks confused mm-hmm. and he's getting his ass kicked by another team. Right. That is nowhere near as talented as him or his team, and you don't even care because right. you have nothing vested in these children. That's I'm going to start instruction. That's I'm going to start instruction from the parental sidelines. I'll be with the shits, y'all, okay? Mm-hmm. Come sit next to me in the game. I'll be with all the shits. <laughs> 90% say the best way for parents to help their child is to remain completely silent during the game. Mm, we'll see. It depends. Jackson Jackson has told me a number t- couple times. He has looked at me and been like this. A couple times. He's like, easy brother. He's easy easy brother me. He's easy brother me. But there's also times when the game will be going on, he'd be looking at me like... He's confused. He's confused. And I'm just like, this is what... you know. And that comes from also us as parents having discernment Mm -hmm. of who we're going to allow to coach our children. That's also a fact. You know what I'm saying? If you don't feel like that that particular team or coach is of service to your child and helping them get better, then do what you got to do. 74% of coaches say coaching their youth athlete can strain a parent's relationship with their child. So this is another reason why you said you don't want to be coached. I don't on the team never for this reason never and and I've also seen uh, when, when I was watching King Richard mm-hmm. um, also other parents that like I've I've had some great men who've entrusted me with their children mm-hmm. because they saw the value in my teachings mm-hmm. and when they brought their children to me they left their children and went because they trusted me mm-hmm. so it's important to know as a parent that 
when you trust somebody, don't undermine their word by constantly over-talking the coach. Mm. You have to say, you know what? I chose this person. I trust the person. Let me give them. That's you know, true. And that's what, I, that's what I've that's what i been looking for. That's absolutely right. Like, for example, with J. Cole. Mm-hmm. Jay, I've known Jay since we were pre-adolescence. Like, we grew up together in Canarsie. Mm-hmm. He played basketball at a higher level than I did. Yes. When he comes to take Jackson, it's just like, yo, I'm not even going to the gym. Right. Y'all go. Right. I don't even want to be a part of it. He and the funny thing is, the other dads be like, you know, Jackson plays better when you're not here. <laughs> I said, yeah, I know. When Jay's here, to actually give him instruction, other than the coach that's sitting there doing nothing. Nothing. Exactly. So, you know, for, for me, I don't want to coach him. Mm-hmm. I'm smart enough to know what I don't know. Yeah. And know that I can't get him to the highest level. The same way in King Richard. He was like, I got to take my girls to someone else to coach them. Right. But he ne- that never stopped him from stopping the coach. Be like, listen, mm-hmm. you know tennis. You don't know my daughters. And and that's one thing I took away from that movie mm. was that he never let those tennis pros who taught all the pros and their knowledge of the game take away from his knowledge of his daughters. That's a fact. And they kept saying like, well, they need to play in this tournament. And then she was like, he's like, they're not ready and they won't do it. Because there's no cookie cutter way to to, to teach any child. Every child, Mm-mm. it's like a classroom. Yep. Having a classroom full of students, you got 30 children who learn 30 different ways. Yep. Like nothing is cookie cutter. Nothing's going to work for the, that one person all mm-hmm. the time. But what, what I will say it is, it is on the parents to kind of vet that team, vet that coach to know, okay, you're going to vet someone who's an expert in this particular field and yes. you should feel comfortable with whoever you have, you know, giving your kid any yeah. kind of instructions. So Absolutely. That's what we try to do, at least as parents. So to, to tie it all back to where we started and you even talking about the video that you did with Jackson, first and foremost, we'll make it clear that as Jackson gets older, we're very particular about how we share him, what we share. So yeah. Jackson was aware that that particular video would be shared. Yeah. And he said to you after the fact that he realized how much of a lesson that video was to so many people. So whereas we had some yeah. people who were concerned about, oh, you know, you shouldn't be doing this on social media with your kid. Right. And he'll be made fun of. Yeah. He actually came home and talked about two or three kids that was just like, yo, bro, I saw the video your dad did, man. That was like, that was yeah. cool. That was touching. And then he felt like, man, I, I'm helping help somebody. somebody. And that made him feel even better about it. Yeah, but he... He, he initially friends. gave you the the okay for that. Always. I don't, yeah. there's nothing, once Jackson became, I think, eight, mm-hmm. and he started to realize that kids in his school were watching our videos, I mm-hmm. was like, bro, if you don't ever want me to post a video or something, you can let me know, mm-hmm. and I won't post it. Remember, in the last couple of years, a lot more people have been saying, you know, I miss the kids. You yeah. know, why can we don't see the kids as much? Yeah. It's because every video we record, mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, do you want to post this? And if they're not feeling it, yeah, they just like... Nah, like nope. it's like I don't really want to post that. So I'm like, cool. That video in particular, it was supposed to be a workout video mm-hmm. because Jackson has been getting better. He's been working on his right hand and his left hand. And also J. Cole wasn't gonna be here this weekend. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yo, I'm gonna record these videos, show Cole. Mm-hmm. So when I started recording and then he started acting up, I would just started talking to him. Mm-hmm. And then me having a phone in my hand for the past six years. I'm just used to doing it. Mm-hmm. So when I'm recording, I'm recording, I'm having the conversation, bam, 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 bam. I get done and I'm just like I'm like, damn, that was that was um an interesting video, mainly mm-hmm. because I think it was two videos before that I had posted how proud I was of him and showing his moves and how flashy he was. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, there's a lot of these AAU dads who only show the glitz and glamour the of highlights. their of their sons and their mm-hmm. relationship. They don't show a little bit of the turmoil that goes on when a dad and a mm-hmm. son butt heads. Yep. So I said, you know what? If Jackson's all right, I'm gonna post this. So I I cut it. I put my devout truth at the end of it. I said, Jax, take a look at this video. We watched the full 10-minute video. Mm-hmm. I said, how do you feel about this video? And he asked me, he said, what do you think people are going to get from it? 
And I explained to him, I said, you know, you watch all of these kids. You watch Mel Mel. You watched Bronny growing up. You watched Mikey. You watched all of these kids. You watched their highlights. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen them struggle with their dad, go through a workout? Do you ever wonder if they've ever had a moment in their life when they didn't want to work out and their dad made them work mm-hmm. out? And he was like, yeah, because sometimes I feel like, dang, if I don't want to work out every day like them, maybe I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. Think about when he met uh, Seth Curry recently. Yes, he met Shout Seth. out to Seth Curry. Shout out to Seth. <laughs> it was after a Hawks uh, net game and we yeah. went back and we got to see Kyrie and a couple of them. And you asked Seth, you were like, I mean, Seth, you were like, how many shots do you got to put up? And they said 500 makes yep. a day. And then I seen Jackson eyes. He's like, damn, I got to... I have to mm-hmm. want to do five. And that's the key word. He says, what? I have to want to do 500 makes a day in order to make it to the NBA. And I explained to him, I said, no, he didn't say he wanted to. Mm-hmm. He said he did, mm-hmm. which means there was a lot of days where he probably didn't want to. And his dad said, you want to be great. You got to go do these makes. Do it. That's and it. I said, I would put this out here to show people that even when you didn't want to, you still completed the workout. Mm-hmm. You might have cried through it. You might have mm-hmm. been pissed off. You was upset at me, but you finished. Mm-hmm. And what's that showing people is that you don't always have to do something in order to do it because it needs to be done. Yeah. And he said, nah, I wonder how many kids. And then he went back to school after that. And he got a couple of buddies that go to the same middle school as him. And they were just like, yo, I be feeling the same way. My dad be telling me I have to do something and I don't mean want to do it. And then we get into arguments. But it's like, yo, you and your dad go through that too. And they look up to Jackson. Mm-hmm. Like I said, he was MVP of offensive player of his football team. Best offensive player of his football team this past fall. He won MVP of his fifth grade team last year. So in their minds, Jackson is the guy. Yeah. yeah. So to hear Jackson say he didn't feel like it and he still had to do it, they were like, okay, so when my dad makes me do it, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm not going to make it because I don't want to do it. So it's amazing. he was excited about that. It's amazing how our children can teach us things and inspire us. <sighs> Talk about it. Like, it almost makes me emotional now thinking about it because I'm like, shit, there's so many times when I don't feel like doing it. Give me the hand. I I don't. Like, everyone knows that I hate working out, but Mm -hmm. I love the results of it. Mm -hmm. And there's days I don't want to do it. Like, I know when we finished recording this podcast, Devel was already like, so what what time are you trying to go to the gym tonight? Talk about it. I'm like, Lord, he go asking me about the gym. But I think Mm -hmm. about Mm-hmm. Jackson getting up and going to the gym. <laughs> Look at you. You got the church rock going on. Yes, that's because you preaching right now. God, yes, because you, you not be wanting to work out. Yes. <laughs> but it's yes. just like, man, like I cannot let my children down. I can't <laughs> let my husband down. I can't. I, like at this point now, I'm I'm doing this for like life. I'm doing this for health. Like fuck vanity. Like we're doing no, this because we're trying to live absolutely. long and be, have healthy lives with these kids. Like, you know, I'm trying to be there for every game. Mm-hmm. You know, be there for every practice. Like, unlike, you know, your parents couldn't be there for everything. Yeah. My parents couldn't be yeah. there for everything. But we're trying to be there and be present. So um, I don't know if you want to, in closing, share that you had to have a conversation with someone who reached out to you. Um, this is somebody who's a, uh, you know, a supporter. Reached out about the video. Um, it was a very interesting. <laughs> and you know what? I want to use how many listener letters we got. I'll just tell it we real briefly. We got two. I'll tell mm-hmm. real briefly. Pretty much, I've been on a kick recently where when people DM me, if the Lord says to me, this is someone you need to have a conversation with, mm-hmm. tell them to call you. And it was it was a young woman. She I went to our profile. She had a couple kids. She follows us. She's like, um, we get it. You parent. This video needs to come down now. And I said, yo, give me a call. She said, really? I gave her my phone number and she called me. And this ain't the first person. Like, I've, I've done this a couple of times, a couple of debates that we and people have had on social media. And I asked, I asked her for her opinion. Mm-hmm. Right? And she gave me her opinion. And the first thing she said was, well, when your son goes back to school and everyone's making fun of him, what are you going to say to him then? And I said, well, this is the first thing, ma'am. Right? I'm teaching my son 
to move in life in a way where he's not concerned with other people think. Mm-hmm. That'd, be, that'd be number one. That's, that's number one. That's number one. For number one. If, if his first concern thinks. is what everyone else thinks, I'm already teaching him the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Number two, with all due respect, right? How are your children doing academically? She's like, what you mean? I said, I just want to know how are you, how are your children doing academically? Mm-hmm. They're doing okay. I said, okay. So my sons are doing extremely well academically. Mm-hmm. Both of them who are getting actual grades have plus 95 averages mm-hmm. because we require of them way more than just the status quo. I don't exist in a life of just the status quo. I live in abundance because I want to share. You know, I do things at an exceptional level because I've always been pushed to be exceptional. Why would I listen to someone who just does stuff just to do it without any purpose or reason? And she got quiet. And I said, I'm, try- I'm being respectful. Mm-hmm. But you are trying to give me advice that I didn't solicit. I didn't ask for your advice. Mm-hmm. You're trying to give me advice, but I want to know, why would I listen to you? Why should I listen to you? What have you done in your life that has been exceptional that I should say I'm going to listen to her? And if you can tell me something, I'll listen. Because I want my children to be exceptional. Exceptional parents, exceptional mm-hmm. husbands, exceptional leaders, exceptional CEOs. And if they happen to be exceptional pro-athletes, They can be exceptional pro athletes, but the only way that's going to happen is if I push them. And on top of that, the only way that's going to work in this world is if I teach them not to care what other people think. Mm -hmm. You're telling me to take it down because I should be teaching my son to care about what other people think. And she said, never thought about it that way. And I said, this ma'am is why I didn't want to have a a text argument or go back and forth in DMs because Mm -hmm. I want you to understand my perspective, Mm -hmm. right? I I live in abundance and I feel like God has only blessed my wife and I to live in abundance because we have a responsibility to share, Mm -hmm. not just financially, financially, because we do that, but Mm -hmm. we also have to share how we've been able to reach this level of Mm -hmm. success. And that means you make yourself vulnerable to people and people are going to have their own opinions about what you do and what you say. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, ma'am, I don't care what people think. I want people, I I just want to share and if it inspires you and say, I never want to live like that, I at least inspired you to make a choice. Mm-hmm. If I inspired you to say, I want to live just like that, I inspired you to make a choice. Mm-hmm. But it's not up to me to decide how you make the choice of what I shared. Mm-hmm. The same way it's not up to you to tell me what to share. <laughs> you understand what <laughs> no, I'm saying? I, I completely and 100%. As somebody who was raised to always think about what people think or, 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 or worry about what people have to say, it's been so refreshing to me to exist in a space that's completely opposite mm-hmm. where I can pick and choose what I want to share and then people take it or leave it. You rock with me or you don't. It don't make me no never mind. That's it. I at least can sleep at night knowing that I'm living truthfully in who I am and existing in that space. And we teach our kids that. Absolutely. That's all we can teach them. So trust me, you were, I was in full support of it. And it was very mm. interesting when you told me that you had that, you know, first of all, I was like, what? <laughs> you, I know. You, you gave you, me your phone number, I had a whole conversation. She ready to go ham. Like, why you gave her your phone number? I was I like, just, that's interesting. I, I did check For no other her. reason, though, that, then I was just like, that's just like, what? No, you know? because I felt like she had children she could learn. Right. And if she had something that she could tell me, I wanted you to wanted learn. You wanted to learn too, because that's one that's thing. We're the, never opposed to learning. And, that's for sure. I don't believe that's for sure. that my way or our way is the only the way. The only way. This exactly. is just the way that works for me. That's it. And I want to share it. And I try to tell people a lot mm-hmm. of times, your parenting style is very similar to the religion you believe in. Mm-hmm. Right? You could be Islamic. You could be Christian. You can be Jewish. You could be Buddhist. 
if if your belief system and your religious beliefs lead you to a place of prosperity and mm-hmm. peace and uh, a greater person for humanity, mm-hmm. I applaud whatever you believe in to get you there. Yep. Just because you choose something different than me doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you're my enemy. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with parenting. That's a fact. Your parenting style may be different than mine. You're not my enemy. Your 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 sexual beliefs or or how you want to live your lives may be different than mine. Mm-hmm. You I'm we're monogamous. Mm-hmm. You may be polygamous. That's your choice. That's it. That, you know what I'm saying? You may believe in polyamory. You may be homosexual. You may be trans. All of these different things, if they lead you to a greater sense of humanity mm-hmm. and it works for you, right? and you're not causing no harm to anyone else. That's a fact. Share. Do what you want to do. The you problem, just can't force your beliefs on other people. The, the problem arises usually when people don't feel comfortable living in those spaces truthfully. Absolutely. And then they feel like they have a facade. Then there's regret and then there's yeah. malice and then there's just overall sadness. And yeah. we ain't promoting that over here. So. True. Um, so yeah, that turned out to be a good little conversation. Made us both a little emotional. I was trying yeah, to hold it back a couple do that. times. I the know kids they do. do that, I think man. it's because we're just so invested in trying to make sure that we yeah. are, you know, we ain't damaging these goods. Because <laughs> trying know, not to. Sometimes I feel like oh, they damn. chose us for a reason. So we're just trying to do right by them. That's that's all that is. All right, y'all. Let's take a quick break. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're gonna get into some ads and then back to some quick listener letters. So stay tuned. During the break, let's quickly talk about a couple things that are important to most people I know. Comfort and style. Crocs, classic clogs, and sandals have both covered. When I'm talking about style, I mean personal style. There are just so many colors and so many gibbet charms that you can add to the Crocs to make them unique. You can dress up your Crocs to match your mood, to match your personality, to fit the occasion, and you can change them up day to day. I mean, ultimately... You can stand out from the crowd in a way that only you can because it's your personal style. And now, let's talk about comfort. You know, it doesn't get better than Crocs, clogs, and sandals when it comes to being comfortable. Style and comfort are usually a trade-off, but here, they're a package deal. It's like you have cushions on your feet. Soft, stylish, personalized, colorful, cushy. That's right. So why wait? Head over to Crocs.com today and experience the comfort and style of Crocs Classic Clogs And sandals for yourself. Your feet will thank you. You may be aware that most people who are black have O blood type. O is commonly needed for emergencies and life-saving measures. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? You, along with the American Red Cross, regardless of your blood type, can help by donating blood. Every day, our blood saves lives and eases the pain for those living with sickle cell. When you donate blood, there is a direct positive impact within our community. Right now, there is great need for blood donations in the African-American community. Every donation counts and makes a difference in someone's life. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. There's power in every purchase because every time we buy a black-led brand, we make room for another black-led brand. And y'all know I love my lip bar products. That's just one to name a few. There is a whole collection of black-led products that fit into your daily routine. Show Black Founders some love, not just during Black History Month, but all year long. That's right, y'all. Black Founders and the products they bring to the table are creating a whole new world of choices at Walmart. That's right. Go to walmart.com slash black and unlimited to discover all the amazing Black-owned products you can add to your daily routine. Okay, real talk. When did paying someone back become social media? 
What do you mean? Let's say I'm trying to lurk on you. You know, see what you're doing and who you're doing it with. I can stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. Oh, yeah. That's, that's kind of weird. You do that? Not anymore. <laughs> I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages. So no public feeds. And the money is immediately available to use with Apple Pay. Babe, did you just send me a dollar on Apple Cash? I just said our cash isn't content. Shh. <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Okay, guys, we back. All right, back for some listener letters. I'll dive yes. right in since we've been talking y'all ears off today. All right. Hey, Kadeen and DeVal. First, I'm going to say how much I love you guys and everything that you guys do and stand for. Appreciate you. So I'm writing this for some much needed advice. So I'm a single mother of two. My son is seven and my daughter is five. I'm 26. I was with my boyfriend for six years and he was in and out of prison for those six years. This last time he went, I was pregnant with my daughter who was only met through jail visits. We're not together due to many reasons. I went through sexual abuse as a young child, and I feel that this has left me still to this day very angry and unsure unsure of who I am. It has broken me in so many ways, but mostly, as I said before, angry, and I don't know how to parent feeling the way I feel every day. I feel like I'm not a good parent. I don't know what to do. I find myself, I seem to always find myself yelling and screaming at my kids when I told myself I would never do that because that's how my mother was. I'm just so lost and so confused on how to heal and find out who I am so I can be a better mother for my children. I want nothing more than for my kids to know that I love them more than anything and want nothing but the best for them. But I feel stuck in a dark place that I can't get out of. And it all comes from my childhood. I'm lost. Please help. Oh, sis. That's um, that's First clearly all, difficult. I'm sorry. So that, sad that, about the, the sexual yeah. abuse as a child. I'm sorry. Um, that I hope you do you. speak with someone. And find a way to heal from that so that's not always um, a wall you put up when it comes time to choosing the right mate Mm -hmm. and someone to be a great father to your children because you already have two beautiful children. So hopefully you find a way to heal from those issues. Yeah, I think that's the root of it. Um, And which you know, which you know, I know that sometimes therapy can be intimidating or it can be hard to start or it could even be costly. I know we've had a relationship with BetterHelp where people were able to get access to... um, even just someone online that you can speak with. But yeah. I think you're aware that this is where the problem starts and your children shouldn't have to bear the brunt of that. Um, you know, I can't say that can necessarily relate to your particular situation. However, I know wanting what it's like as a parent, as we discussed, just wanting the best for our mm-hmm. kids and just knowing how to deal with the frustration that arrives. Because trust me, not even having um, been through a case of sexual abuse, I just know that there are days that I'm just frustrated in general yeah. or I'm tired and I do find myself wanting to lash out and that misplaced anger on the children mm-hmm. um, can really be a way to beat your children down. So um, I think starting with maybe some therapy, speaking to someone would probably be the best way to to heal sis. So. Also, I just feel like most parents lash out at their children because of fatigue. Mm-hmm. You know, like... We all grew yeah. up with parents who Tired, screamed and yelled. That was the generation that we grew up in, okay? I mm-hmm. get it. But a lot of times, we've been working all day. They've been asking for the same things over and over and mm-hmm. over again. You've been telling them something over and over and over again. And right. then you get upset. Mm-hmm. You're tired. Emotionally, you're drained. Mm-hmm. And a large part of the reason why people lose uh, control over their emotions is mm-hmm. because of fatigue. Mm-hmm. So I would say in order to help yourself, mm-hmm. try to find time. And this sounds so crazy. 
saying this to especially single moms, mm-hmm. try to find some time to lean on your village if you have one and get some rest. Mm-hmm. The more rest you can get, the better you are equipped at being the mom they need because now you have control over your emotions. We talked about this with uh, one of the doctors that was on here. Sleep deprivation is one of the main causes of help, health issues in America for That's men and women of all ages, races, sex, I creeds, mean, religions. Like sleep <laughs> right. deprivation is a big deal because Physically, of the team no sleep movement that happened over these past like decade. Yep. But um, definitely get some sleep. Yeah. And also to learn to pick your battles with kids. Like I think about things that used to just upset me or things that I just learned from seeing either with my parents or other parents that I've grown up, like things that should make you upset or shouldn't make you upset, make you upset. For Mm -hmm. example, your kid spills a bowl of cereal. You could lash out and scream because you've told your kid a thousand times, stop playing and dance around the cereal and sit still. But kids are going to be kids, right? Mm -hmm. So they spill the bowl of cereal. You could handle it two different ways. You can lash out and scream or or you can spank them or you could do whatever. Mm -hmm. Or you can just take a breath and be like... Didn't I tell you to stop playing around when you eat your cereal? Yep. So this is what happens. Now what? Clean it up. Mm-hmm. Or if it's your five-year-old who can't quite clean it up, clean it up the best way you can, and then you go back after, mm-hmm. finish up. Like, just don't even waste the energy Absolutely. on making that a point. Because the, a lot of yeah. parenting is redundant. Like, it's it's having to say the same thing over and over Absolutely. again. Absolutely. You know, and eventually they'll catch on. You know, your kids are still young. But they'll, it's, they'll but get it's it. also understanding that you do have children, and they require grace because... We often require our children to act as adults. Didn't I tell mm-hmm. you that? Yeah, you told him that one time. He's not right. going to remember he's six. And like, you might have told him five times and they've been through that. Do it. Yeah, we've been through that with, with the boys. Like yes. I've told you this so many times. Yes. Learning how to keep control of your emotions is the best way to parent because your your children will listen to you more mm-hmm. if they see that you're calm. Yeah. The minute and, and I had to learn this too, when I was in football mode and Jackson was a young kid, Jackson used to get so afraid of me losing my emotions that he would yes me to death. Yeah. He's like a robot. You understand? Yes, sir. You understand? Yes, sir. You didn't even listen you don't, to the You don't listen to what I'm saying. How can you say you understand mm-hmm. if you don't understand? Jackson, what'd I say? I didn't hear you. Mm-hmm. But he you just said, did that like two days ago. That. Yeah, he, but you just <laughs> said, yes, sir. Oh, okay, my bad. I just, I just. Not, yeah, it's like stop, an autopilot. Stop saying what you think I want to hear because you're afraid that I'm going to scream. Mm-hmm. I used to do that all the time. So yeah. I'm not, I don't even get upset when he does that anymore. Mm-hmm. Like in the past, I would be screaming, why are you saying yes if you don't even know what I said? Mm-hmm. Now it's like, listen, bro, I know you're used to having to say what you think I mm-hmm. wanted to hear to get me to stop screaming. I'm not even screaming. Mm-hmm. Just listen to what I'm saying and just respond with what you really believe or how you really feel. This way we can navigate this situation together. Yep. So, All right, girl. Best of luck to you. And I hope that you find the healing that you need so you can be the best mom for your kids. Yes, ma'am. All right. Number and two. Number two. First off, I would like to extend my love for you and your beautiful family. Kaz's explanation of when Kingston died had me dying. (laughs) I know. All right. So, boom. They from New York. Mm -hmm. My boyfriend and I have been together for seven years. I moved in with him this past September, and it has been challenging. Recently, he expressed to me that he does not feel like we are as close. When he says this, I agreed and took it upon myself to figure out how we can build that closeness. I have been trying to plan a date night. And think of things that we both enjoy doing. It does not help that we have not had sex in about three weeks <laughs> mm. since he came back from vacation. Uh-oh. I've been feeling resentful because, one, he told me that we were going to be engaged by this year. And two, <laughs> since we're not fucking. Oh, we're not engaged, <laughs> we're not fucking. Um, no ring, no things. No things. <laughs> <laughs> since we both agreed on not feeling as close, I have not seen any effort for him to try and build our closeness. 
I understand that we have different definitions of closeness, but he hasn't explained what he needs from me. I made plans for this weekend, but it's an early event. I expressed to him that I would like to continue the night after our event, but he has not taken any initiative to plan something. We just had a conversation with a friend about planning. This past week, I have been sad and emotionally detached because I feel like the effort to regain closeness is one-sided. When we aren't having problems, everything is great. (laughs) It's like the Mm -hmm. epitome of like, when we're not having problems, everything is great. (laughs) Duh. (laughs) But they sound like us, right? When we ain't arguing, everything fine. They sound like us. (laughs) We laugh, roast each other. They definitely us and are Mm. genuinely happy. Lately, I have been afraid because I feel like I am losing my best friend. Oh, that's the worst feeling, bro. Any advice would be appreciated. I accept all critiques. Oh, man. I have no critiques for y'all. I just only <laughs> going to tell y'all this. This feeling is normal. Mm-hmm. When you're with someone for an extended yeah. period of time and y'all move in together, you get into a routine and you start to lose. We just had this conversation. Yes. Yo. Yes. Them, <clears throat> all right. Literally. Ladies. And I'm this a, is 20 years in, almost 20. We're well, going on 21 and uh, 20 years in. I'm, I'm going to be extremely vulnerable and give you a man's perspective because she said her boyfriend. Her boyfriend. Right? Okay. He may be speaking about this. I'll tell you because I just told Kay this. We were watching TV and I said, babe, I feel like I'm missing a part of my life that I'm used to. She said, what do you mean? I said, when before we were dating, I had an option to see women who found me attractive, pick which one I thought was attractive and engage in whatever they wanted to engage in. Mm -hmm. That was my choice. That was part of my life that existed. Mm -hmm. Women are attracted to you. You're attracted to women. You engage in whatever you want to engage in, right? Then you meet someone. You become monogamous, Mm -hmm. right? That person in the very beginning is attracted to you. You're attracted to them. The newness of it is like this animalistic attraction when you're always on each other and you feel like, this is my, this is what I love. This is my best friend. And it's not even always about the the actual act of sex. But when Kay first got with me, she always wanted to sit on my lap. She always wanted to make out. She always wanted to cuddle and canoodle. And she was always touching me. And when you get married or you've been together for a long time and you're watching your girlfriend or your wife focus on everything else because she's used to you being there, you're missing that Mm -hmm. as a man. And so many men don't speak about this, but this is the truth. If I wasn't in a relationship, the women who admire me would feel open to come over and say, hey, I admire you. And you can say, I admire you too. And y'all go back and forth. But now the women that you're around know that you got a girl. Mm -hmm. So those women aren't even telling you that they admire you because they like, oh, he got a girl, whatever. Right. So now your girl's not even admiring you because they're used to you being home. Mm -hmm. So now you're home like, damn, nobody is admiring me. That feels like shit after a while. Mm -hmm. And I think Aisha Curry said something about that. Three years oh, ago, with male attention, and, were on and they were getting it, on but her. She was right, but it's not about said. male attention. It's yeah. about feeling wanted, wanted or desired, and or feeling desired. After. by the person that you want to feel desired by. Everybody loves that hunt and capture moment, yes. right? Like but, the back and forth. It's more, like a dance. But more you know? importantly, though, people want to be desired by the one that they, they desire. Right. Yes, right. So it's like we chose yep. to desire each other for eternity mm-hmm. if we're going to be together, mm-hmm. and somewhere during that process. You lost sight of that desiring because we have four kids. We have a mortgage. You have job. I have job. Parents live with us. People are sick. No one's doing it on purpose. Mm -hmm. But still, you have to remember that, you know what? Your partner wants to be desired. And this is just a good message also to to men, too, because you ever wonder why your wife 
may start to be in a little funk or have an attitude. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's because you haven't showed that woman that you desire her. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm a very, very affectionate physical person. Kadeen has probably never gone five minutes without feeling desired because I'm going to grab an ass. Three minutes. I'm going to grab a boob. <laughs> I'm going to hug her. I'm going to kiss her. I'm going to tell her I love her. I'm a, that's, but that's for me. I'm not doing mm-hmm. that just because, mm-hmm. you know, I just, oh, she need let me do it. I like doing that. So for her, it's easy to feel that way. But in return, it's also easy for me to feel lost sometimes because I'm always all on her. That some we had this conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm be like, when's the last time you've hugged me? She said, "Devout, we hug all the time." I said, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, uh, uh." <laughs> when is the last time you've hugged me? So it's me doing the initiating of yes. the hugging, not the fact that we have hugged several times because it was him doing the hugging. So and, I was like, "Ah, okay, I get it." And sometimes men don't know how to say that. Mm-hmm. So when they say stuff like, "I feel like I lost my best friend," mm-hmm. it's his masculine hiding way of saying, "Hey, baby, you don't notice me the way you used to anymore." Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Or we're mm-hmm. not as close. You know, and we're not as close as, as we used, used to. to be, yeah. That's his way of saying, "Hey, babe." I'm still here, yeah. you know? Like, it's the moving in two part for me. Like they yeah. were together seven years and it seems like the problem arose when they moved in together. Now I'm an advocate for moving in before you get married. Mm-hmm. I just think it's necessary so you can know if this is the person that you want to exist with in the space pretty much all the time, right? Plus, you also feel like, okay, if we're moving in together, what's next? Because I'm not going to be, right. Kay told me, right. she was she was an advocate for moving in, but she also said, I ain't going to be nobody's living girlfriend. Right, right. So there's exactly. a caveat no with living that, girlfriend, you know? no baby mama, which is what she's saying. He told me yeah. we'd be engaged by this year. So she a little salty. Um, which I get. Which I get. Because we've talked about that. It's, yeah, it's like the promise that you made to mm-hmm. her to be engaged by a certain time frame. Again, a lot of women function on the clock. If we feel like time is being wasted and you duped me into moving in with you and now we're not close no more and then we don't got no ring on my finger, it's like, what exactly are we doing here? But like DeVal said, most men in the past, Mm -hmm. you said most men have a plan. Yeah. They have a plan on what they want to do, how they want to execute it. Mm -hmm. You want a particular kind of situation when you get engaged. He's trying to plan all that stuff out. (laughs) Right. So he may be trying to buy a little time, you know, before he does that. To execute the plan that you said you required in order to be somebody's wife anyway. Exactly. But I can understand why she can feel maybe even from your perspective when you feel like sometimes you're pulling and tugging at me for that closeness. Absolutely. And I'm just like, damn, I didn't even realize it because I have so many things in my brain and I'm juggling work and kids and this and that. And I feel so scatterbrained at times where you're just like, yo, just stop listening to the noise yeah. and just focus on me. Yeah. And that focus alone, I can see the difference in our relationship when that happens, particularly more recently, you know, with us. So keep but, having the conversation, but sis. I, but I will say to a lot of women, if listening, of course, this is not all men. Mm-hmm. It's not all women. Mm-hmm. But many of the men that I speak to, mm-hmm. they'll say to me without knowing how to say it, but their biggest gripe with the woman they live with or their girlfriend or their wife is like, Miss Young, you know, you know how a case steals. I, just like today. I mean, last night, I came in from being in New York. I come in, Kay's in the shower. First of all, me and Josh get to the house at the same time because we flew in. And I'm like, Kay knew I was coming home. Why is the fucking door locked? Why do I got to go through the garage? I'm getting pissed, right? right? So I come inside and Kay's in the shower. Right. I open the shower, right? I go squeeze her butt. Then I go use the bathroom. I come back. I squeeze her boob. And I come. She's like, why do you keep leaving, right? <laughs> then when I, I, I come back in after getting dressed, she's putting on these tights. She put on this little crop top. And yeah, because ask, ask, ask Tribble and Matt what I look like prior to you coming <laughs> home. They could probably be like, yo, Kadeen did a whole 180 when she walked back out here. I look but, like a hot mess. And, and I do realize that you were purposeful about making sure when I came in the house mm-hmm. that you put on something that I like to see. You were clean. She was whispering in my ear when I came home, wait till everybody go to sleep. And, you know, she went and got me the spaghetti that she made and got me something to drink. It's like, 
those little things is a constant reminder of like, oh, this is the woman that wanted me when we were still dating. Mm -hmm. Like those are things she would do when we were dating. And a lot of times when you get married, it's like, man, this nigga know what I look like naked. I don't got to put on no tights. <laughs> still want you to put on the tights. But even like, more recently about like texting, like if I had to run an errand or whatever, I'm texting yeah. like, hey, babe, I got here, here. You were just like, yo, it's just like aside from just safety, it's just a matter of just knowing like, damn, she thought about me to text me in this moment. Mm -hmm. So it's just little things that we're trying yeah. to do to like get back to that boyfriend, girlfriend phase that we both so definitely desperately missed and I think working as crazy as we didn't have in the schedule we had last year a lot of that got lost yeah, in the shuffle lost. and that was a, a challenge for us both mentally we're like it doesn't make any sense yeah. that we're you know having all this success with our career and, and our kids are doing well and family's good and all that but you and I are not right. in unison so and I say that to say that men are typically trying to say that, but it's challenging for us because it's not yeah. hyper-masculine yeah. to say, I miss my wife, I miss mm -hmm. my girlfriend, mm -hmm. I miss being touchy-feely. Yes. That's really what they want to say. Right. Babe, I miss when you used to touch me up and, and right. you were annoying climbing on me. I miss that. It's not hyper-masculine. Right. So sometimes trying to think about what they're saying, like, oh, I know what he's saying. Right, right, think right. Think about that. Read between the lines. Sis. Read yeah. between the lines. <laughs> All right, y'all. We want to hear more from you on the listener letter tip, so be sure to email us at deadassadvice at gmail.com. That's D-E-A-D-A-S-S-A-D-V-I-C-E at gmail.com. All right, moment of truth time. We're talking coaching. We're talking kids. We're talking parenting. Um, you know, how did our perspectives change um, when it came to kids and sports, how we deal with our kids, all that good stuff. So you heard the episode. What's your moment of truth? My moment of truth is this. Um, I was a professional athlete, and I also coached for a very, very long time. The same methods you use to coach other people's children, the same methods your coaches use to coach you is not the same method you have. You can use with your children. Mm. It's just not the same. There's a different power dynamic mm -hmm. there when you're, you're coaching your own children. Mm -hmm. I like when parents coach their children. You just have to learn to use discernment when and when not to be coached mm -hmm. and when and when not to be dad. Right. Jackson and I have already made it very clear. The minute we step into this house, mm -hmm. the coach hat is off. Mm -hmm. I don't care how much I've screamed and hollered and been upset. When you come in this house, I'm not. We're not talking about that anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm, your, I'm your dad now. Mm -hmm. Let's watch the game and laugh and talk about other things. Let's, yeah. let's not drag that into our personal space. Kind of mm -hmm. like when you do with your significant other. Leave the work life mm -hmm. at work. Exactly. When you come home, I'm dad. No when to clock out. I created a boundary that both my son and I respect, and mm -hmm. I feel like it's working for us. Mm -hmm. Stay tuned because he's only 11. I have seven more years, mm -hmm. you know, to, to to try to get this right, not oh fuck God, this up. So seven. I know. He's <laughs> he spent more than half of the time he's going to spend with us here. Don't remind me. So pray for us. Um, <laughs> as we, as the, this is an uh, ever-evolving uh, organism, this thing called life. So as things change, I'm sure they will. We'll keep you updated. No, for sure. I love that. Um, my moment of truth is much like the relationship between like a teacher and a parent, right? Um, such is the coach and the parent experience. And I think the overarching mm. topic that some parents and coaches miss simultaneously. Wait, that was good though. I never thought about that. What? Imagine a teacher mm -hmm. who has children. Those same kids go through the same thing. Like my mom's a teacher, so she's always a teacher all the time. Oh, it's not absolutely. the same thing. My dad's a coach. He's always a coach all the time. Absolutely. I ain't even about that. That's a good one. Go ahead. My bad. But Yeah, but I'm just even speaking about the relationship that a parent and a teacher has, right? Because there should be some sort of union and communication between a parent empowering their children when they're in the classroom and the teacher then feeling like they're empowered as the teacher to be 
the educator, right? Mm -hmm. Such as that with a coach and a parent, right? The parent Mm -hmm. entrusts the coach to teach them things about the game. Mm -hmm. But what I think the overarching topic for me is when it just comes to sports is that sports and coaching and um, the dynamics that exist in that is so much bigger than just sports. Yes, it's life. It's life. And the lessons that... I like that, baby. You've learned, for example, because I wasn't big into sports growing up, right? But the lessons that you've learned in sports and having to have the discipline and the camaraderie with the team and knowing how to take direction and how to listen to a coach Mm -hmm. and to be respectful, those are things that are carrying over into life. Mm -hmm. And we have to understand that as parents, it's bigger than like that one game. Yes. It's bigger than 11-year-old basketball. It's bigger than sixth grade football. It is about teaching life lessons. So if the parent and the coach are in unison with what the objective is, Mm. then no game is going to be that big of a deal as long as the kid is learning a life lesson along the way or several. So that's mine. All right, bro. We in this together. We in the left. Just pray for us. (laughs) It's more like a, okay, Father God, Father God, we did did a couple (laughs) rocks today, y'all. Um, all right, y'all. So be sure to follow us on social media if you are not already. So we have Deadass the Podcast on Instagram. You can find me at Kadeen I Am. I'm and also on TikTok <laughs> now. I'm taking a stab <laughs> in 2023. I'm coming over to the Young People's apps uh, and sign up on Patreon too. And I am not on TikTok because I'm not trying to be with the young people. <laughs> I am devout. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate, review, subscribe. If you're interested in watching all of the podcasts mm-hmm. in its entirety, subscribe to our Patreon. That's a fact. Exclusive behind the scenes, we're going to call Jackson and see if he wants to chat Ooh, about it. That'll yeah, be on we're Patreon talk to for Jackson sure. About that today. All right, see how he feels about Daddy Coach. Coach Daddy. <laughs> Deadass. Deadass is a production of iHeartMedia Podcast Network and is produced by Denora Pena and Tribble. Follow the podcast on social media at Deadass the Podcast and never miss a thing. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are, and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. You may have heard that most people who are black have O blood type. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help us save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now.